My name is Helen Robinson. I'm the Manutaki or Auckland City Missioner. And where are we, Helen? Sarah, we are standing at the front door of Home Ground, the brand new home to Auckland City Mission, right here in Central City, Auckland, on Hobson Street. Kia ora, I'm Sarah Robson, the new producer of The Detail. For five and a half years, I was RNZ's social issues reporter, and in that time, something I heard a lot about was this new planned building, Home Ground. Home Ground is the new city mission. It's a one-stop shop for health and social services, with a pharmacy, a health centre, a community dining room and 80 apartments all on site. It's intended to completely change the way the Auckland City Mission helps the people in the most desperate need. And in mid-February, it opened its doors for the first time. So today on the podcast, I'm taking a tour. There is the pharmacy on our left, the entranceway to the apartments, our main reception area. Then there is a service called Hayata, which is the service that we open every day of the year, 365 days a year, to provide one good meal for people who are living on the street or really vulnerably housed. We have our really special room uh, called Te Manawa Ora, which is our sacred space here at the mission. Then there is a series of community rooms and large gathering rooms, and then I take a deep breath and I'm at Federal Street. I'm standing outside the Auckland City Mission on busy Hobson Street, right in the central city. Now, if you've seen stories about the Auckland City Mission in the past, maybe on TV or in the paper, you might remember a fairly run-down-looking old green building. That's the former Prince of Wales Hotel, which has been home to the mission since the 1980s. Now, that building has actually been restored as part of the project to build home ground. Now, the home ground building itself, it's nine storeys high. It uses materials like brick and cross-laminated timber. There are balconies on every floor. It's really quite an iconic building, unlike anything else in Auckland's CBD. But let's take a look inside, head down the laneway. So I begin my tour of home ground with the Auckland City Missioner Helen Robinson and the Calder Medical Centre. These doors come out, Sarah. Okay. We're finding all kinds of design features along the way that we wish we had done differently, so (laughs) there we go. So we're standing inside the reception area of the Calder Centre now. So this is our primary medical healthcare centre, which started uh, about 10, 15 years ago here, um, I think in 2008, 2009. Uh, Actually, in a wee little room in the Prince of Wales, we had a doctor who would be coming one or two mornings a week. And now in front of us, we have an extraordinary medical centre, including a dentist chair to be built in as well. We um, uh, at the moment here have uh, two full-time doctors or or a full-time equivalent and um, five or six nurses who are working here in the medical centre, being able to provide services here and also medical care on outreach as well. So we have a couple of nurses who literally walk the streets here in Auckland. And as we go down here, there is just... um, uh, a whole variety of rooms, obviously consultation rooms. Consultation yeah. rooms like you'd see in any doctor's surgery. And then a large nurse's station. So we actually uh, have moved here at the uh, medical centre here to a nurse-led model. 
that um, holistic sense of primary health care really, really important for the group of people we serve. And um, as we walk down here, you can just see at the very end is our dentist chair, where I'll show you in a minute, I'll open the door. When I open the door, what Sarah is actually going to see is a room totally full of PPE, because in our Omicron response... That's actually... There uh, is a lot of boxes of PPE in here. There really is. But this is where the dentist chair is going to go. This is totally where the dentist chair is going to go. So we're looking forward to a reality where Omicron is done and PPE is gone and uh, where we can have a dentist chair in here too. And we're just still in the process actually of trying to find out how we're going to fund that dentist chair. So what's been happening previous to this? If you're the people coming in and using the City Mission Services do have oral health needs, where do they go? Depends on the level of urgency. So um, if uh, it would not be unusual that people are in incredible pain and they actually end up in ED and uh, have to have some kind of support done there by the emergency department. There is a process where people who receive a benefit, they need to go to a dentist, they then need to get a quote that ascertains uh, what dental care workers needed, then they need to go back to work and income, get that approved, and then they need to go back to the dentist. Um, often by the time people are coming to us with oral care, it's, uh, we're at the, the emergency stage and people are actually quite sick and are in a lot of pain. And in terms of the medical centre, who's coming in and using these services? Is it just rough sleepers or are you broadening it out a lot more? So um, the, this is a primary uh, healthcare centre. If you lived in Central City Auckland, Sarah, I'd say come and roll. So it's welcome for, for anyone here in Central City Auckland. Um, we have an enrolment of about 17 or 1800 people here. So as medical centres go, it's, it's relatively small. And uh, in the spirit of the mission is that what we're actually trying to do through the Calder Centre here is enable access um, to people who might not have access, either because they're not, perhaps it's not financially viable, or that the kind of care, or the particularly the impact of trauma that they have suffered, means that um, they often don't get to access it. So we put a big emphasis here on building whanaungatanga or relationship first, and in that spirit of the relationship, um, we can offer medical care. So a good portion of that 1800 would be people who are either rough sleeping or experiencing um, homelessness more broadly, so vulnerably housed. The rest of, of people here are people who have either been part of the mission for a long time or, as I'd say, just from that uh, broader city landscape that we're part of. Excellent. Where to next? We're heading up a couple of floors to see the detox unit. And into the lift. Um, um, and then here we go. Uh, not too far away. So in our old building in Federal Street and then uh, in the place that we've been in Avondale, we've only been able to provide 10 beds. But here on Monday, uh, we've actually opened up the facility for 15 beds. So... Good morning, John. Um, so we've just walked outside of the lift, and to the left, Sarah, I won't take you down because we actually do have people who are staying here this morning. Um, you'll see uh, uh, the floor of our social detox unit. When people come to detox, they're often here for a two-week period. Uh, people often say to me, what's social detox, and, and what's the difference between social and medical detox? So um, if I am uh, withdrawing from alcohol or any other drugs, particularly if I've been taking um, a large amount or a variety 
variety of alcohol or any other drugs, my body um, will, and my spirit, it's an extraordinarily difficult and courageous thing to be doing to be detoxing or withdrawing. So people need support. Some people, it's determined, need 24-hour medical care because of the impact of what withdrawing from the alcohol or any other drug would be. And that's what we have in our medical um, uh, withdrawal service that's run by the DHB. And uh, our social detox service provides a, a similar kind of care, but we don't have 24-hour medical staff here. So often what will happen is people will go to the medical um, unit for two or three days or five or six days and then come here to social detox. And talk a bit more about the integration of the services and what difference that will make to someone who's coming in here and detoxing. Totally. So one of the geniuses of this building is that actually there is a whole variety of services that we can be providing. Primary health care. On our bottom floor we have a pharmacy there so we literally have the access to a pharmacist and, and the drugs that are needed to support people. Um, there is permanent housing in this building. There is uh, access to obviously these two floors of detox. So many people come to the mission through a door, so it might be something particularly that is driving them. So it could be as simple as they haven't eaten a meal, so they're coming in for some kai today. But in that spirit of relationship and trust, that means we can get to know someone, and then we can actually say, in that context of that relationship, um, what is it that you do need? And then to be able to provide those range of services, I've lost count of the times of how incredibly important access to that primary health care is, or how incredibly lucky we are to have both the skills and expertise to respond or, or to support people who are struggling with addiction and then particularly those who come here to detox. So it's it's the subtle but sophisticated response that recognises that as human beings we come with a variety of needs and that it's, it makes life difficult and complicated when we have to deal with different people in different places. And we've talked a lot in the past about how someone coming in for a food parcel is often the signal or the cry for help for so many other issues that are going on in their lives. And in food particularly um, is the doorway that brings people in. It's just this very raw, real, basic need that each of us has every day. So, so often people are coming into Hayata or they're seeking food uh, because they do have a home and, and want the, the food that we can support through our um, food service. Um, and again, through that uh, conversation and that relationship, we can do exactly as you've said, that, you know, what else or, or how are you and is there any other way we can support you? And those two questions just enable a, a story to unfold and, um, and a, a, enables the mission to genuinely provide the appropriate support. So uh, home ground in lots and lots of ways is really an answer to a dream. Another part of that dream is creating a real sense of community for the people who will be living in the 80 apartments at home ground. So I'm going to take you, actually, I'm just going to take you up to the rooftop. So, um, and then we'll come down a flight of stairs and go to the apartments. So the rooftop, we're going up to Matatihi. So that is level nine. Uh, level 9 of the building is actually for the residents, the 80 residents who will be living there, and it's their communal area. And hopefully there'll be a stunning view. There is an absolutely incredible view. We're just literally 
next door to St Matt's and a hop, skip and a jump from uh, Sky City. So you actually just get to see um, yeah, an extraordinary part of our building. So we've just walked out of the lift onto the um, open courtyard here on level nine or the rooftop of home ground. Um, uh, we're open in the open air and there is um, a lovely barbecue that's being built in. You can see that we have um, a whole series of gardens and in fact a glass house that has this extraordinary view looking out over Auckland City. Um, so we're uh, facing Aotea Centre and looking down onto Queen Street. Um, and we're here early in the morning and the sun is just coming over. The sun's coming up. It's going to be a beautiful sunny day in Auckland. I imagine this is going to be such a wonderful space for the residents to be able to come together, chat... Be. Have a barbecue. And um, what we've worked really hard here in the design of home ground is that this is a community. So we're giving people an opportunity not only to have a house but to have a home, to survive and to thrive. So that this, this rooftop is actually about meeting those deeper needs. So um, obviously you can come up and down through lifts here and then um, uh, the stairwells here. So we've come into the stairwell that is completely and utterly wood. So as I said before, where this building has been made out of cross-laminated timber and uh, the warmth of this place, literally. So we've just come from a, a, a not cold but a, a brisk air in the morning here in Auckland and you come and you're enveloped in these stairwells. Um, home ground is an incredibly busy place and I have an incredibly busy role. And even in the last couple of days, what I've learned to do is come and hide in the stairwell for a moment. <laughs> So it's, um, it's a place of sanctuary, actually, is um, what I really, really enjoy. So um, we've just come onto floor eight of the apartments. So we have five floors of apartments, and we have 16 apartments on each floor to make 80 apartments. So on every uh, floor, we have um, uh, an accessibility unit that I'm just about to walk you into now. Um, we have... Uh, two one-bedroom units, and then we have a um, the rest are studio units. Now so. this looks like a perfect wee apartment for someone. Totally. So this is a welcome, Sarah, to one of our apartments. You can see it's just literally been the process of sheets being put on the bed and crockery and cooking utensils being put on the shelves. This is uh, an accessibility floor and is a studio unit as well, so slightly wider. Um, and every unit has a balcony um, uh, for doors that can be opened up completely. So uh, certainly during the summer and even into the spring and autumn here in Auckland, we can open up these doors and then increase the size significantly. Um, so these apartments are designed for uh, individuals who are living in them. And real, really lovely indoor-outdoor flow. You've pulled open those sliding doors and we're back out on a balcony with the cacophony of construction noise Totally. Again. So one of the things about home ground is you know you're alive and you know that you're deep in the heart of Auckland City. Um, and for, for people, you know, the reality of homelessness that we often hear is that it's a deeply lonely place to be. So um, one of the lovely things I think about home ground is you know that you're connected um, and that you know that you're not alone, you're part of something um, and that there are genuinely people who are, who, who are connected and who care. Um, I'll just step back inside the apartment... Explain to me a bit about what's happening 
with these permanent apartments and how they'll work. So the Auckland City Mission Housing is a CHIP or community housing provider, which means that we've gone through the assessment process to be able to provide uh, public housing here in New Zealand. So if I didn't have a home today, Sarah, I would go to MSD and uh, after some time they would take me through a process and I would go on the public housing register, or sometimes known as the social housing register. And that would mean that when there is an appropriate dwelling available that I would be able to have access to that accommodation. And what that would also mean is that I would not pay more than 25% of my benefit towards the cost of it. Then as a community housing provider, what happens is, is that the government would pay us, the mission, the balance of the market rent every year. So let's say um, my benefit is $210 a week or $250 a week, then uh, a quarter of that would be paid towards the cost of accommodation and then the balance of the market rent would then be given here to the mission. So that would be enabling us to provide, to maintain the building um, and to be able to provide the housing full stop. So uh, as part of the, the special provision here at Home Ground, 40 people will be people who are part of what's called the Housing First programme. So actually we have over 200 people who are part of the Housing First programme, many of whom uh, do not have a home at the moment, so that there is a lot of work going on to say of, of the 40 people who are part of Housing First, who are the most appropriate to be coming here. And you said people who are experiencing homelessness... It's quite a lonely time for them. How do you think home ground and what you're creating here will mean for them? You know, there's layers to home ground and, and layers to way to answer that question. In the in the kind of first layer, this is literally a roof over someone's head. This is um, a fridge and a washing machine and a dryer and a shower and a kitchen, um, a place that's secure where the doors lock. Um, where people know that they're safe and a place that's theirs, and where the tenure, the, where there's security of tenure. So, you know, the reality of boarding houses is that uh, I could live there for 20 years and then be told tonight I have to leave and I've got to get out within 24 hours. So that security of tenure is really, really important. Below that, then, we start to move into the sense of people having a home so that when there is that deep sense of safety, as human beings, we can rest. And actually then we can begin to um, begin to be our best selves, actually. We can address the challenges that are in front of us and even begin to, um, uh, begin to thrive. The Auckland City Mission is expecting demand for support and food to continue to be high right through the summer. It's noticed a marked increase for its services this year, including from families struggling after losing jobs because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Auckland City Missioner says requests for help from its food bank doubled on the first day of Level 4 lockdown The Auckland City Mission hopes the homeless will be given priority in the queue for the COVID-19 vaccine. The Auckland City Mission is expecting to be busier than ever this Christmas, with more families struggling because of COVID-19. You've seen more people come through your doors or access your services than you ever have. As we're heading into this ramping up of the Omicron outbreak, how do you feel? Is it a sense of trepidation? Yeah, um, I'd, I'd be lying, Sarah, if I didn't tell you I was deeply worried. Um, worried, I think, in two particular areas. Um, 
uh, you, know, you know, the increase in the demand for food in the time I've been here at the mission, which is just on nine years, like, is extraordinary. If, if, if we were measuring success by an increase in demand for food, we would be out the gate winning every award. And yet it's the exact opposite of the story. It is deeply, deeply distressing, the numbers and increase in numbers of people for food. And um, there is a plea, really, from the mission um, and, and our colleagues throughout our country just to actually begin to understand how many hundreds of thousands of people today don't have access to enough money for enough good kai for them and their whānau. It is reprehensible and should never, ever be occurring, and certainly not in Aotearoa. So uh, I, I'm worried. I'm worried worried about um, more people losing their jobs, I'm worried about more people being sick, I'm worried about people not having access to kai or even having to come to us. Um, that shouldn't be happening. In a, in a similar way, I'm deeply worried about people who are uh, either on the street or particularly those who are vulnerably housed, so either in motels and emergency accommodation or, or in boarding houses throughout the city. Uh, being sick in this reality uh, when you have such a, a lack of access to resources is incredibly difficult. I, I have a, a home and I have a, a car and I have a bedroom and I have resources and I have family and friends and all kinds of people who will look after me and resources to enable me to be looked after. Um, and I'm one of the lucky ones. And, and I want that for everybody. And certainly what I see here on a day-to-day basis is that hundreds and thousands of New Zealanders who don't have a home, uh, already they suffer and they will be suffering more. Um, and what we see here at the mission is the face of that suffering, and it changes you. Uh, it, it is very, very hard to walk past a human being to see and acknowledge their suffering and not be moved and, and want to actually do something. And yet we face into a reality where the extent or the depth of the suffering is there is very little that we can do. That's it for today. I'm Sarah Robson. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and is a joint newsroom RNZ production. You can download us free to your mobile phone every weekday on any podcast platform. Jeremy Ansell engineered this episode, Sharon Brett Kelly and Emile Donovan produced it, and thanks to Helen Robinson and the Auckland City Mission. Matewa. Wa.